This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. Great to be with you on a Balls McWednesday. Appreciate you joining us. Hope you're well. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew in the house as well. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. And away we go. We're almost there, kids. Saturday, the spring showcase. Looks like this weather's going to blow through. We're going to be all right, huh? Sure hope so. Really looking forward to the Friday festivities as well as the Jeff Cameron Show War Chant Golf Tournament gets underway on Friday. So if you're going to rain, go ahead, rain right now through Thursday and then be done. That's it. That's all. Ready to roll. We've got uh, the second harvest to help and some uh, fun to be had and a gathering of Knowles. And they're way on their way, many of them, back to Tallahassee right now as I uh, gauge the social media outlets. Lots of folks making their way. To the capital city for a little fun this week, and I think it will be too. There's a lot of good players to feast your eyes upon. Went to practice yesterday, most of it anyhow. Tom held down the latter half as uh, I got set for uh, some other brands of football that I'll be monitoring as well. And uh, and uh, I got I got to say that it kind of went the way that I thought it would. It was kind of intense early. Did it stay that way? It wasn't um, seemed to ease up in the middle there. They do a lot, way more than I'd like of uh, special team stuff that doesn't seem to be impactful in any way, shape, or form. But other than that. Yeah, I thought it was intense throughout. I think everybody kind of knew that yesterday was the last of its kind before the spring game. And then Monday is kind of like last day of school practice. It doesn't mean that there's not intensity and they don't correct the mistakes that they might have made in front of the fans at Doe Campbell on Bobby Bowden Field. But everybody kind of knew the drill yesterday. I thought so. Heated competition. It was really a lot of fun to watch. You watched a little bit of both sides of the operation. I watched mostly trenches, which felt like going home, buddy. It's been a minute. It's more fun. I think the trenches are more fun every day. I think you can glean more about what's going to happen on the line of scrimmage. I think you you get a sense of uh, the depth and the talent and the upgrades there. Really, all of these practices are more interesting to me when you focus on the trenches because, you know, again, I feel like, when you watch the one-on-one battles between receiver and cornerback, um, you know, they're trying to get the reps in for all the quarterbacks. And I don't know, it's the ebbs and flow of that aren't great always. Um, And that's fine. I I will tell you this. I do enjoy watching over and over and over again, uh, all day Dre, as he's known. Uh, That kid's been good every day of practice. Uh, He had a, he had a day where he had a couple drops and it shocked us all. That's how good he's been. 
Like when when you're so good that when you finally do drop a ball or two, we're whoa, what is happening here? And you're just a true freshman. That's a real big deal, man. I just think that coming out of this spring, he's one of the main stories. And Javius Jacobs, to me, has to be one of the big stories of the entirety of spring. If you were going to write up a fall camp preview right now, based upon what you've seen in the spring, and let's say one of those hot topics is who is going to be the number two wide receiver. Yeah, I'm starting to think it's him. And you do the headings with the candidates. Mm -hmm. He's near the top. Has to be. He's just so consistent, silky smooth. Fluid and, and and consistent. I don't know, man. I don't know how he can't be, right? I mean, you wouldn't have said it at the start of camp just because you don't expect freshmen to come in and do that. And in particular, that freshman, because you signed another one at the same position that was far more high profile. And when the two stood next to each other, you thought one looked like an NFL football player and the other one looks like a freshman in college. The other... Hakeem Williams looks like a grown-ass man that plays for the Giants, you know, whereas Bendravius looks like a college kid, you know. So you would not have, just by looking at him, thought to yourself, well, that that's the kid. That's the one that's going to immediately impact this segment group. But I think of the two, it's not even close. It's really not even close right now. That's not to say the upside's not better for Hakeem maybe down the line. I don't know. Maybe it is. He got better, Hakeem did, his camp went on and got him. I don't think he was in shape when he got here. And I'm not blaming him because I don't know what, you know, every high school's different. I don't think he was ready for this. He, Hakeem looked tired the first week and a half to, I don't know, two weeks. Like an early enrollee. Yeah. You know, you could pair them with a group of receivers from 10 years ago and say that just for the purposes of body type and projection, Hakeem is like Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. And then Rashad Green and Vandravius Jacobs fit nicely together. So to your point, which is more projectable for the draft? It's Hakeem. Sure. At, as we stand here today, there's no doubt about that. But who can help us sooner this fall? It's Vandravius. Right now, it's Vandravius. There, no, there is no denying that. Yeah, it hasn't, there's no, it's not been close, guys. Hakeem is well behind Vandravius Jacobs. It hasn't been close. If you were if you were gauging it as a competition, it hasn't been close. Now, that's not really the way they maybe look at it. They look at it at roles that you're going to play, how you can help us, uh, where on the field are you effective, that that kind of stuff. But I, I Hakeem will be good. Um, it's just he's not ready yet, and nobody should be in their first spring camp necessarily. That's why it's a surprise when somebody is, and you give them a lot of credit. You just you just do. I think he's one of the big stories of camp. Uh, the biggest story has been all along, and you're tired of hearing me talk about it, and I understand why, but the the entirety of spring, all we do is uh, kind of sit back in awe at the number of uh, and the depth, of, you know, the talent on the offense and defensive line. They're good. They're just really good up front. And I think that's just a fair assessment. I think it's just applicable. You can um, – look at that group and say this is a lot different than we've seen at any point in Norvell's tenure, certainly, but I think that includes, obviously, Willie's. So you got to go back a ways. And I think that, you know, when you when you got to go all the way back to 2014 or so to feel, uh, you know, and, and that was just with the starting five in 2014. It wasn't, you didn't feel great 
after that starting five. You thought, oh, there's a few guys that, you know, if they have to fill in in a pinch, you're going to be okay. Yeah, maybe a guy. Yeah, but it wasn't like you were saying for yourself, I know they've got 10 that they can play. I think right now they got – when you get the news yesterday that Dimitri Emanuel has been given clearance and was – by the way, he practiced yesterday in pads. He was ready to go. He was out there and was participating immediately. And this is a guy that started for you at guard last year. I don't know if he'll start this year. They don't need him to. If he does, great, but it's a legit addition to the competition on that offensive line. So now all of a sudden, truthfully, you've got 13 for five. It's nuts. So, and they are, that they really can play it a lot of different ways. You know, when you, when you don't have the requisite size or depth up front, you got to spread everybody out. You got to play the quick game. You got to get the ball out of your hands immediately. You got to really you're, you're pigeonholed as to what you can do because you just don't have the, the the size and the talent and the depth to push people around. But Florida State's in a position right now where they want to run the ball. You know, I feel like Mike wants to run the ball. We say that over and over and over again. He's able to run the ball. Um, you know, he's able to run the ball with bad offensive lines. With a, with, we've seen that already. Even when the, even when the teams were bad record-wise, they would find a way to spring a big play here and there in the run game. They would engineer the running game in some capacity in order to be able to give themselves a chance to run the football. Now they've got options galore. They've got those tight ends. They've got a gluttony of, of uh, running backs, of uh, successful and talented and and multi-dimensional running backs. They've got a quarterback that is as fleet of foot as there is in the country. They've got enough at wide receiver that if you want to go four or five wide, you could. You know, they they really can play it a lot of different ways. And so I just think at this point, man, I that it's hard to envision a way in which this offense isn't one of the best in the country. You know, I, all of my concerns, virtually all of my concerns, as here we are a couple days away from this spring game, lie on the defensive side of the ball. And it's really more about the further you get away from the line of scrimmage because I feel great about the defensive line. Your starters are great. On the interior, you've got plenty of talent to rotate, a lot of guys that can give you plus, plus, plus efforts and talent to go with and size. Uh, you're not as deep on the uh, off the edges, uh, but you're okay there. You're okay there. You've got a stud and, and then a few guys that you feel good about. But then from there is where you really will question this team. When we start to think about fall camp, you're going to question linebacker. You should. They should go out and get another one. You're going to question corner, and you're going to question safety. So, you know, listen, that's 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 it. If we're talking about the difference between maybe winning the conference and going to the college football playoff or not, I think that's where you're going to concentrate your efforts. Yeah, I would think so in terms of the need front. What's interesting is going back to the offensive line and the depth on it. They've got, for fall camp, if there's development in the offseason, yeah, I think you could stretch it to 12 or 13. That could compete for the two deep. But I think when you're talking about the front-line group, I have learned by watching spring camp that there might be eight or nine candidates for five positions, which is wonderful. Don't get yeah, this, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not a complaint. But when you were talking to Alex Atkins and we were talking in the offseason about how many guys could 
potentially be starters and win the jobs. He said 12 wasn't out of the question. Yeah, he did. I think it's probably eight or nine at this point. And you don't feel horrible about some of those other guys coming in in a pinch if you have a disastrous situation in the course of a game. It's not lights out like it was two or three seasons ago, and you've got no chance at that particular position. I just think we have seen a little bit of a separation where the candidates, again, if you're in the offseason and doing a, a fall camp preview and saying who could win the job, I think your, your favorites would cut off at about eight or nine players. And that's still worlds better than it used to be because those are all legitimate starting caliber options for Florida State on the offensive line. Not fallbacks, not uh-ohs, legitimate good players. Yeah, and when you talk about having 12 that you could play to make out your two deep, that is without question accurate. You know, yeah. I, I like, yeah, I you're always going to prefer, you know, I, I, I think that we're going to prefer certain guys that have played a lot and have given us uh, visual evidence in games that they can play. And you have some of those guys that have returned. So you say, well, they're, they're likely going to play, you know, those, but you're not devastated at the thought. Like, so a, a good example, you know, Robert Scott hasn't played this spring. I don't know. I guess we're going to assume that he'll come back from uh, injury and, 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 and be in great health and uh, or minor surgery, whatever it was, and he's gonna, he'll be back just fine, ready to go. And he would project as your starter, probably, at left tackle. But if he doesn't, you know, if it's Bless Harris and Byers that are your tackles, yeah, you're real worried about that? I'm sure no, as it, hell not. I think both could be better or as good. Better, I think, is... Uh, we'll see. If it's Robert Scott at 100%, I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Plus, I think Byers is a player who could flex inside, play guard for you, and make the group of five better if, say, it's Robert Scott and Bless. But if it's tackles. Julian Armella, 6'6", 330 long arms, looks better than he did a year ago already. He does. I don't know what to make of where he slots just yet. And, and I don't know if he makes that cut at eight or nine. I, I'm not sure that he does yet. And Ooh, that's okay. okay. That's okay. I think he does. I think he does. I think in the fall, you'll think he does. It's um, quite possible. Yeah. I'm not saying that uh, I doubt it, buddy. No, no, I'm not speaking like that. It's just that when you're talking about the tackle conversation, I think you've got three that are rock steady, rock solid, and that is Robert Scott, Bless Harris, and then whatever they do with Byers. I think he, wherever he wants to, where they want to line him up, he'll be good. And they like him in different places, and that's fine. But Armello's still a little bit more work. And I got to tell you, I'm not trying to put too much pressure on the young man, but Lucas Simmons is is learning fast. It's just about hitting the gym for him, I think, at this point. Up top, he's so huge down low. His base is great. It's what you want. He's just got to get – he's got to fill out the top. He's so young, you know. He's a true freshman. And so, yeah, I got you. And he's 6'8". It's hard, too. You got to fill out that frame at 6'8". It's tough. But he's over 300 pounds, and he's technically sound. I think in other years, Florida State's offensive line was in a place where they would start him, where they would have to start him. He's come in and looked that good. He's not ready. You don't want to start him, but we were starting guys we didn't want to start. Yeah. But we had to, and it was based on footwork and talent, not readiness. And so they did that, and Lucas fits that mold. So your future at tackle is bright. But back up to the top of the depth chart, potentially contenders, Bless Harris has had a really good spring. Yes, he has. He looks good. I think really good. Spring. I think I'd pencil him as a starter. He's he was you know he was a starter last year, and then it happened. You know he got hurt. So 
I, I just they're good, man. They're good up front. They've got a lot of guys you feel very, very good about. Um, you know, some guys you can tell to have a good day. I mean, I, I think we've also been able to find separation there. By the way, we haven't mentioned anything. We just got done talking about Dimitri Emanuel being back. But, you know, they have these other guys in the interior that they're going to move around. Maybe some someone will emerge as a potential either replacement for Maurice Smith at center or a solid backup. They're hoping it's Casey Roddick, I think. He continues to struggle to snap the football. But, it, it, you know, you, you've got a, 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 a Dimitri Emanuel, Casey Roddick. We didn't talk about... Uh, Kenyatta Charlton looks better now than he did before. You you got some guys that you feel good about. That situation's a mess in all the right ways. Yeah. Now that and Dimitri's back. And, yeah, you got all these guys. Well, I, I think Keandre the, Jones. The contenders for those positions are obviously Dimitri. He's back. I'll leave center alone. I'll leave it alone for just just talking about the guards. I didn't even mention Darius Washington. Darius, and this is in no particular order, so don't try and discern who's getting you know reps because they're cross training anyway. Yeah, there's they there's all, all kinds of hodgepodge groups that are out there. Correct. But in no particular order, Keandre and Dimitri and Casey Roddick and Byers and Darius Washington and Estes. I mean, there's just so many damn bodies out there. And you, I suppose you could move Robert in if you wanted to, or you know, Byers. They talked I think about is the it better, before. I think Byers is the better crossover player right now to be slotted inside. But with Dimitri coming back. I don't know what that does with Byers. Does that mean that you want to slide him to the left guard position? Because I don't think you're going to move Dimitri Emanuel to left guard. He was really good at right last year. I think you want to keep him there. A lot of other guys can cross train. But where is Byers best suited from there? Is he? Is it right tackle? Is it left tackle? Is it left guard? Anybody that is that big who can move like that and the way they like to pull guys, I see your argument for guard. And I, I just, he's got to be, I think he's got to play a lot. He's a really good good-looking prospect. I mean, you, you just you look at that kid and you go, my goodness gracious. And you didn't bring in Casey Roddick to sit, not that you guaranteed him playing time, but you don't bring a kid like that in unless you really think he's going to be a part of the rotation. And he could be a guard or a center. Keandre Jones has a little bit more eligibility, but, I mean, it's not like he hasn't been placed in important situations in camp. That's a mess in a lot of good ways. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. I, that's really the... It's a repeated conversation, but I get that as we get closer to the spring game, more people get excited about the spring game and people are coming into town. And so we take more than a cursory glance at a familiar subject. And, and if you're a regular, you're going, you said this all spring. Well, because it's been uh, the context uh, that I've wanted to lay out there for you about what we see on a regular basis. But it's important to reestablish that because we could be sitting here now after a dozen practices and say, well, we thought we had 12. There's only like four good dudes, and they're really going to have – they might need to dip back into the portal. Like, that could have been the update, and that would have been bad news to share. But that's not. What we thought before the preseason started – or sorry, before the camp started is bearing out to be true. you got a lot of good options, more good options than you need on the field at the same time. So that's it's a it's an assumption we made that you're going to have close to ten guys that are game ready starter level. Now we know. Now we know they are, and that's really really good. There's a familiar refrain and question, and it's it's repeated in the chat a lot, and we see it on our message boards on War Chant, and I'll get the occasional email or tweet thrown at me this way. So I'll continue. I'll answer it this way for the people who have asked. Yeah, in short yardage situations, we had to be cute. A lot of times last year, we weren't a great red zone team in terms of toughness inside the 20 and moving the pile third and two. 
you know, third and one. Um, you know, that, that made things difficult at times. Is that going to be better is really the direct question that we get. And I think the answer is a resounding yes. Now, you see in modern football, and you watch the NFL, you know, you, it, it is really hard with the big bodies on the defensive line bunched up inside the way they are now. They've all figured out how to stymie that. It's, it's almost impossible to get lower than them. And it's played differently than when, when I was a kid. And so it, you don't just see, like the, as they used to say, well, those hog mollies line up and just push people off the ball. And it's, it's not really that way as often anymore. You can still be a big boy football team and run the football, but a lot of times it's on neutral downs. It's in the middle of the field. It's an identity of who you are. You'll wear people down. But if it's a one-off in the red zone in short yardage, even teams that have big, strong offensive lines can oftentimes struggle to get that. Now, the Eagles were a little different because Jalen Hurts is – you know, got the legs of a, a you know, 400-pound lineman. It's ridiculous, right? And they they had figured out ways to do that with the quarterback. If you have a guy like that, you can. And they even formationally did some things that were different. It was rugby. It was, it was quite literally rugby. And that's smart. That's just good coaching. You figured it out. I don't know. We're not exactly, I don't think, going to line up and do that. But I do think that you, because you can pick and choose when you want to put certain guys, they don't even have to be starters on that interior you have certain body types with this group that you know, Roddick being one of them, even if you put him at guard. Keandre Jones. Keandre, like, what are you going to do with that? He's going to get a half an inch. He's going to get six inches. The man is a giant, giant individual. Well, we can't give away what's happening in practice, so I almost no. feel like I have to say this backwards. I don't think I've seen this at all in spring, but Mike Norvell has done it before on a game day, so it would be nothing new. Overloading and unbalancing the offensive yes, line, yes. bringing in a sixth and a seventh guy in certain situations with Giants, like a sixth and seventh guy, and then you know having a legit or maybe a tight end in the backfield. Here is where I would bring Julian Armella off the sideline if he's not a starter, and he would be that guy because he can actually get out and go and block in the perimeter. He's yeah. so athletic. Yeah, but let's just say that you wanted to go unbalanced, and you could even overload the backfield with another lineman. You could have Julian Armella in that backfield and as Jaheim a lead blocker. Bell or Trey Benson, obviously, is a big back. Right, and then you could have Keandre Jones be your sixth on the line. I mean, you could get that squirrely because you do have that many options. And there'd be days I'd do it. I would bully some people and do just that. I mean, there are some teams that can maybe match that personnel a little bit. Not many. But there are some, and so you'd have to reconsider in certain cases. But you well, know, LSU might be able to match that. And you think in past instances, this is going back to Jimbo's days where they would bring one of the better defensive tackles out there to block, you know, and, and he would be somebody in a goal line set that could set the tone. Uh, and then in, in Coach Norvell's case, they you know, he's brought in DJ Lundy to be a lead blocker. We've seen that. He was batting 1,000 in terms of touches and touchdowns until the, the bowl game when he got stopped short. But, I mean, you, you have that as well at your disposal. You wanted Daryl Jackson to be out there in some kind of set. I took, Again, a I took a picture of him yesterday as an aside. I almost feel like I'm at liberty to say these things because I haven't seen him in spring. But yeah, you could. You're just you yeah, could spitballing. Do it. Yeah. I took a picture of Daryl Jackson yesterday. Just something about the angle and the lighting hit me, and I took this picture because I wanted to commemorate the moment that, once again, I looked at him in a certain light and thought people should never be that big. Nobody should be that. That dude is gigantic. And I don't mean it like fat-ass. I mean, that is a muscular with extra weight and height and size and hands and everything about him. you just like, that guy's gigantic. 
And if you have that kid deciding that, okay, look, I've transferred twice. This is my getting time. I want to go get paid. And I'm built like this. We ought to see that kid dominate. He ought to terrorize the ACC in a way he certainly didn't at Miami. You know, that, that it, we may be getting that guy at exactly the right time. It's my go-get-paid year. I'm motivated. I'm where I want to be. I'm happy finally. I'm focused. I'm surrounded by goodness. He ought to just, I mean, it reminds me of Timmy Jernigan just throwing people around. That kind of dominance is possible. My sincere hope on the offensive side when you bring that kind of presence out there, mm. if and when it happens, is that we decide to use that to our advantage, not try to draw up plays in the sand, and we just go straight ahead. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, that's fine. I would just like that to be the case. Yeah, we got a lot to answer here, a lot of things to get into. I will do it in a second. Jeff Cambridge, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Thanks for being here. Stay with Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply welcome back to the jeff cameron show sponsored by legendary home loans a mortgage experience designed around speed simplicity and customer service before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Good to hear the clash. Uh, I'll circle back to some questions we got in the chat in a minute. Last night, Matthew Cleveland announcing that he has hit the transfer portal. That's good news. Um, you know, that was a 9-23 and team. I'll hear a lot of people go, well, those are your top two players that are gone. Well, it's relative, my friends. Cleveland did lead Florida, lead Florida State in scoring and rebounding, 13.8 points per game, um, 7.4 rebounds per game. Did miss some time with back spasms. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's just, it, it's a strange deal there with, with all that's happened. Um, you know, Cleveland's, Cleveland's season was a disappointment. We thought he was going to be a slasher that could get into the paint and make plays and that he had developed his shot a lot more and turned out he wasn't quick enough, didn't shoot consistently well from three-point range, uh, was okay in the mid-range, uh, just didn't emerge, so he's on his way. Um, the NIL stuff and the transfer portal stuff that we continue to try to watch 
uh, and monitor to see if kids are coming. Uh, it's not panning out so far for Florida State. Uh, you're watching a lot of programs with more NIL money, I think, for basketball. That shouldn't shock you. There are programs, there are universities who value basketball more. So if you got a kid who has you in his top four, but he also has Kansas in his top four, well, you know, good luck with that. I mean, it's nice that your name's on there as a mention. But you're not getting that kid, not if Kansas wants him. And that goes for a lot of the teams in this league as well, whether that's Duke or North Carolina, who won't stand pat after a bad season, and they'll pay above and beyond because they care about basketball. Um, I'd like to believe we do too, but not right now. We're in the midst of a renaissance for football that is sorely needed for the budget of this university and athletic department. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you got something great, sustain it. We'll be back around to help you when the time comes. If you don't, God help you. It ain't going to get any better because we're not sinking money into it. And so I, I don't see this getting better, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope somebody comes along that saves the day. It only takes one in the modern era of NIL. If you get a guy that is fabulously wealthy, and he just decides, I don't like to see my alma mater or even just a team I really, really care for because for whatever reason, I don't know. And I'd like to see this basketball program do well. And I'll, you know, I'm flush with cash. I'll give them $20 million to fill out a roster. Well, then maybe you get lucky, but that's not realistic. And it's certainly not realistic for Florida State basketball right now. So I don't think you're going to get a lot of the guys that you were open to get, the guys that were on the radar. We already saw one choose East Carolina over Florida State. East Carolina. That's not – it doesn't portend of good things to come. I got to tell you, buddy, that my brain does this exercise when I think about Florida State basketball or Florida State baseball right now, <laughs> and it pictures a, a kettlebell at about 75 pounds weight being at the bottom of a pool and what it would feel like to try to pick that up and have to swim back and have to, the to top. swim to the top from yeah. about, I don't know, 10 feet deep in mm -hmm, the water. Mm-hmm. It's just very hard to pick up those topics and swim to the air above the water. But with football, I got a pool floaty. It's a really comfy pool floaty. I might even be able to lounge on it as I'm sitting and the weather gets better. And so my brain flocks to the floaty, and it just stares through the water down at the bottom at the lead weight and says, hmm, maybe one day I'll have the strength to pick up that weight, but not right now. And maybe that's the way... A lot of people are feeling in terms of the uh, interested parties. Yeah, it's it's something to behold, though, man. It's such a it, it's such a uh, different landscape from just three years ago for Florida State and basketball, and and there are a lot of things that went wrong, and some of those things are out of the head coach's hands, but some of them are uh, laid at his feet, and it just stinks. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to spend too much time with it, but when you get news that, uh, you know, another player has entered the portal, especially one that's high profile like Matthew Cleveland, then you have to discuss it on a sports show like ours. So I do, but I, I feel you. I'm not sitting here dedicating the next 20 to it, you know, but I do think we have to mention it, just like we have to mention Florida State's baseball team has a, a lead in the eighth inning again against the University of Florida for the second time this year, and then, you know, they lose because they can't stop walking people. And, you know, if you're going to give everybody and their brother an extra chance, another at-bat, you're going to 
put yourself in these situations with runners in scoring position, eventually somebody's going to run into one. And you're going to lose. And they did again. And, you know, you got a wonderful start. You got everything you could have wanted. Uh, you had a chance to win. It wouldn't have saved the season. The season's a wash right now. Would have helped. Would have been nice. Would have made you feel better. Would have perhaps infused some confidence where there is none. But it doesn't happen. And bad teams lose games like that. Bad teams give up leads late in games when they have opportunities to get big wins. And um, this is a bad team. And so it's not shocking, but it does hurt. It sucks to watch. I hate it for Link and those kids. And to listen to Link after that game, you could see that look of bereft of hope on his face that, uh, well, we, you know, we walked everybody again. You just keep walking people. And I mean, I, I can, I, I sound like in my head when I'm watching that, I sound like our guy, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. I'm, I'm about to say GD. That loud every time there's another walk. It's that one. It's the sound clip we use all the time. They give me the map. We lost. Super. Yeah, lost. but but it's the first GD yeah. that's yeah. Uh, that uh, when when the when ball four mm -hmm. crosses off the plate and you go, well, <laughs> here we go. This is this is what happens. Well, you have this issue that goes on with a lot of the staff once you get past a certain number of pitchers where you wish they had a, a put out pitch. Then you realize that maybe we're going to need some help and this needs to be put in play. But then you think, well, who are they, who are they hitting the ball to when it's in play? At least last night they were picking it up. They were. It's Bennett has been on the Hill. I think we can work with that. That's, yeah, that's that, going to work. Hey, by the way, that was the shining. And yeah, he's that had, was... that's not the first of its kind for him either. No, no, no. There's something there. So there is something there. Yeah. But yeah, I know, man. there's a whole lot of what would you say you do here, and that's where we are right now. So it's it's the mulligan season. Trey is asking in the chat, just curious, Jeff, who's sponsoring the golf tournament that you guys are doing? And uh, I wanted to know what kind of charity they were. Uh, the charity that we're we're benefiting is the Second Harvest. Uh, and yeah, there you go. Check it out. Look at that. There you go. There's a graphic there. You're in the chat, Trey. Uh, you see the battle's end has uh, contributed greatly to our efforts uh, with the Jeff Cameron Show Invitational, War Chan Invitational, the uh, Corner Pocket Bar Grill, always great sponsors and supporters of what we do on this show, Wake Up War Chan, really everything we do at War Chan in general the forefather with the War Chant Golf Tournament that was separate from the radio tournament. Mm -hmm. So they've been long-time partners. And then we have to tons of other partners that, you know, you'll see their stuff throughout the course. That They're just people that help out with us and have donated and been part of what we do. Uh, and we always appreciate that, whether it's, you know, Gordos or, or anybody else. I and mean, we just have so many people that help out with us um, that it's, it's – I, on the day of and the day before, go through everybody – and make sure everybody gets their just due. But real quick, Trey, we, we, we are benefiting the second harvest of the Big Ben, to answer your question about the charity. And they are aces as it goes. Mm -hmm. um, they are a first-class organization that helps, not just as you can hear in the title of the name, not just Tallahassee, but the entirety of the Big Ben. Food insecurity is a real deal, and they do heavy lifting uh, to help fight that. And tomorrow's show from 1 to 3 p.m., is going to be dedicated to that a effort. Dedicated charity show. Yeah. Every single cent that you contribute 
in the chat on YouTube TV tomorrow. It's live from 1 to 3, so you got to be here during the show. Spread the word to the other pillars and members of the WarChant community. Every cent goes directly into their account. There is no middleman. Yeah, we're not. There's nothing coming our way, or any, it's all going to the second harvest. As so is just know that everything beyond the cost from this tournament on Friday, every cent beyond the cost to Capital City doing a great job hosting us. Yeah, the gifts that we give to the players, the swag bags and things like that. Yeah. Every cent going to the second harvest. Yeah, whatever monies we've raised with um, registration fees, uh, we we put together a gift bag, and then other than that, you know, some of the fun items like that. Everything else just goes directly to the second harvest. So everybody's uh, getting some uh, Chrome Soft golf balls on Friday. I'm excited playing. about that. I'm excited with all this with all the stuff, buddy. It's the ball that just won the Masters. It is. It is. Uh, so, I've heard a bunch of other or seen a bunch of other questions in here uh, about, you know, the football team and where we should be and what we think and what's going to happen. I just want to, I want to, I want to tell you this, as excited as I am about this roster, there's the other shoe that will drop in due time and it's not a disaster waiting to happen, but I have kind of sent out not-so-subtle reminders to you guys that this works both ways, okay? We have rated better than most, uh, almost all, the transfer portal to our benefit. We have been able to utilize, through the battle's end, Funds raised and given and supported to the football program and all of that for roster retention and also to lure players of need at certain positions. And that has been much celebrated, right? That's something that is talked about nationally in articles when you look at the teams that have done the most through the portal to flip their talent levels on the roster. Florida State is a shining example of what could be done in the modern era where this exists. And Mike Norvell and his staff have deserved the kudos they've received. We've talked about they've had a game plan from day one to utilize it. They have a philosophy that they adhere to, that they're consistent with, that resonates with the players they've been able to bring in. It's not by accident Jermaine Johnson and Jared Verse and Keir Thomas and all these other guys, we can go on and on and on, but uh, have come here. They, they they have been pitched. They have been uh, they have been spoken to about what was the expectation in addition to whatever monies, all of this stuff, right? And I just think that now you have an abundance of talent at a lot of places, and I've called this spring the the spring of hurt feelings. Tabbed at that to start spring. I figure we come out of this spring. It ends Saturday. It's oh well, yes, there is the follow up Monday, but in essence. In three days, let's lock it in and see what happens. I suspect that there will be a name or two. I don't know this, but I've always speculated. That's what I'm doing. I'm speculating. I'm not telling you something. I'm not saying, hey, wink, wink, nod, nod. I'm just speculating. It's common sense. Context clues. Look around. There are going to be guys that are disgruntled because this spring did not go the way they wanted it to. They didn't move up the depth chart. They don't see a path to more playing time. But they have value, and that value will be seen by other programs that don't have as much depth, that need to fill roles and spots on that roster just the way we did, and they'll come calling because it's alive and well. And I'm going to guess that, that, you know, 
We've got several backups, three or four at least. And then I wouldn't be surprised if there's a starter or two that somebody takes a run at. That doesn't mean they're going to get him, but I think we're going to hear a lot of whispers. And it's and that is part and parcel to having success in roster building. Yeah, I agree with you. I, that's something that we have to get used to now that we're arriving on the other side of the equation, which is the haves and the have-nots. We've been a have-not for a while. We're getting into have territory. Yeah. I don't know how many gates we could go through in the Jim Phillips gated community. Uh, if we're at this, are we at the place with the booth and the security guard twenty four hours a day? <laughs> probably not. Getting yet. really close though. But we're probably a nice neighborhood. This is nice. That that initial gate that when you drive in, it's open overnight. But you could just drive past it during the day. I think that's where we are right now. For you and I, it's like, well, this isn't quite Tierra Verde, right? But we're close. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, <laughs> I lived in a neighborhood called Landsborough. Yeah, in in uh, that's where my parents still live, and we lived in a certain neighborhood. But then there was this other one tucked Further way back. in the back called yeah. President's Landing. Yeah, they would have looked at you guys in Landsbrook as riffraff. That's correct. Yeah. Even though we were near the golf course, perhaps on it. But, you know, Roy Halliday, the late Roy Halliday, lived in President's Landing in the back. Yeah. And people like him. In the back. And that's where we want to go as a football program. We're not there yet. But as we're arriving, depth building and, and depth in general means retention concerns. That's what it has to mean for everybody. Around yeah, the it's it's a it's a problem, um, but it's a problem you want to have. And so you know, I mean, again, it's it, you see this a lot. If you draft really well, or you have a situation where uh, your roster is littered with talent, and they all become free agents at the same time, somebody's going to be told to have a good day. I can't resign you because I really do have to resign him. And it's just where we're weak and everything else, you know. Is there a lot that's out there that I could replace you with? There is. All right, man. See what you can get. Baltimore's offering you five mil per. Go to Baltimore. I'm not matching that because there's a kid coming out in the draft who I think is better than you anyhow, and we're going to take him early in the second round. That's the kind of thing that happens. So your roster, you look at it and go, you're upset. You think you're a quality starting running back right now, but you're not here. I got you. We got five of you. If you want to go, you got to go. I get it. No hard feelings. Peace. Good luck to you at Southern Miss or wherever the hell you're going. Um, and I think that's going to be true at several positions. I just do. I think I wouldn't be surprised if there are three offensive linemen or two or three offensive linemen that are like, well, this ain't going to get it done. I, I, I don't really see a path to playing here anytime soon, and I need to play. I'm a redshirt sophomore. I'm a junior, whatever. I got to go. And I, no hard feelings there. But invariably, it doesn't work out the way that you want it to. And I want to point that out. It rarely goes as smooth as you'd like it to. I mean, at least the way I look at this and the way I think it's going to move in the future, there's always going to be a guy that you're like, oh, no, 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 that's not, uh-uh. I was all right with you taking our fifth receiver. That slappy didn't do anything for me anyhow. I mean, I, you know, maybe he was going to become something, but in the interim, we'll be all right. You don't like it when they take your starting whatever, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised that you're you're going to have to start fending people off. Alabama has to fend this off all the time. Georgia has to fend this off. Now, all these good teams, there are guys sitting around that you're like, man, that's a really good player. He's a five-star player. That dude's going to get reps if not start this year. Right. That these, ride. These are conversations that, uh, you know, Kirby and Saban might have been having and talking about, but it doesn't apply to us, so we really didn't read those quotes. Right. Right. But now we're going to, you know, we are living in that world. Well, we're, yeah. We're, we're in the near future. future. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's true. 
It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. We thank Terry's Pool Service for supporting our JCS War Chant Charity Golf Tournament for a second consecutive year as well. If you're still trying to get your pool in shape, a lot of you might be doing that right now. There's nothing wrong with asking for a little help from Terry's Pool Service. Spring is here. Your family's expecting to see a backyard paradise. Can't have that with green water and yellow pollen, a collection of who knows what over there in the corner. Call Terry's Pool Service. They'll help save your pool. Check them out at terryspools.net. Call 850-580-7334. You never know when you'll need them. Thanks again, by the way, to Terry's Pool Service. They'll have the cocktails flowing on hole three on Friday. I'm ready for some cocktails. It's already been a week. We could do some cocktails right now, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Terry's Hotel Indigo Gordo's Smashes. Those are going to be three stations with cocktails in addition to the over 600 free beers that are going to be available on the course on Friday. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy ourselves, and we're going to do it for a good cause, and the rain is going to stay away. That's right. Do so responsibly, folks. There's going to be light snacks on the course, the banquets at the corner pocket after, but for those of you that are playing, maybe you want to have a little hearty breakfast before you make it out. Sign-ups, 8 a.m., shotgun start, 9 a.m. And at 6 a.m., that giant bowl of spaghetti is calling you. Not a bad idea. That's you. That's you guys. There it is, right? There's just like that. I can't do spaghetti at 6 a.m., but I don't know. Maybe a big muffin. Do you eat spaghetti much anymore? No. I Really, it's just kind of a messy meal with the sauce. I don't have any problems with it. I just never think to eat it. It's never been one of my favorite Italian dishes. I've never been yeah. like, oh, spaghetti. You know, if I'm going to do that, like, 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 you know, if you walk out with a really good chicken parm, I'm like, oh, here we go. You walk out with spaghetti, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's pasta, spaghetti, it's what it is. Pasta with the sauce, it just kind of splashes everywhere. Yeah, spaghetti's kind of like the peanut butter jelly sandwich. I kind of like a peanut butter jelly sandwich, but it's not like a turkey grinder. Hour number two, forthcoming, stay with. 